You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. How about we pray as we open up God's Word together this morning? Loving God, we, we just praise you for the way that you love to show yourself to us. We love the way that even we've experienced today as we draw near to you through singing, through offering our adoration, our praise to you, we are able to connect with you. We're able to see your goodness and experience it firsthand. We thank you, God, that not only can we experience in there, but we can also experience it as your Holy Spirit brings to life your word, your truth that you have given to us in the form of our Bible. And so, God, we pray today that as we open your word, as we continue on our God's story journey through the Bible, we just pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would, you would help our eyes to not even see as they've always seen before, Lord, but that you would help our eyes to even be opened in new ways, for new depths, for new insights, for new, new levels of understanding that doesn't just stop in our heads and be in a head understanding, but goes deep down into our hearts, into our spirits, so it becomes truly transformational, whole of life changing. God, would you do that this morning? And we know you can, because you're good, and you're the worker of miracles. So Lord, we ask for that today, in faith, and pray that you would have your way through this word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Over the course of our journey this year, we've seen and marveled time and time again at the faithfulness and the goodness of God, haven't we? You know, David, in one of my favorite Psalms, Psalm 145, he attempts to capture, which is a tough gig, isn't it? To capture fully just how good our awesome God is. And and he, he does well. It's a beautiful Psalm. And whenever I read this Psalm, Psalm 145, my heart always just gets gripped by the way that David describes God's heart, especially in verses 8 to 9. Here's what he writes. He says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. That's a pretty good summary of God's heart right there, isn't it? And, you know, friends, we've seen it countless times over the Old Testament. God continuing to be gracious and merciful. God continuing to be slow to anger. God continuing to extend steadfast love to a people who want absolutely nothing to do with him. Well, let's let's be real. That's what we've seen. And if we're humble and honest, that can be our experience too. That can be our story as well people rebelling against him, going their own way. And now, as we've transitioned into the New Testament and we turn our eyes to Jesus and his ministry, we see that again, but in the form of a person. We see God's heart very much personified and outworked in truly beautiful ways. And last week, we explored what's involved for anyone who wants to follow Jesus in this life. We talked about some of the costs associated with discipleship and one of the key paradoxes of the Christian faith. A paradox being 
something that seems to be contradictory but ends up proving to be true. And this is, this is it. This is what we looked at. If we want to find and embrace and enjoy life, we need to lose our lives. We need to humble ourselves and surrender wholeheartedly to Jesus and follow him. And what we discovered last week, we we're reminded of again, is that when we do that, when we do this, this is when we actually find the life we we're always meant to live, the rich, fulfilling, abundant life that Jesus offers in, through relationship with God. We lose and we win. That's the paradox in this life and in the one to come. Yeah? So last week I said just something quickly about how the benefits of actually following after Jesus far outweigh the costs. And if you're anything like me, sometimes you think more about the costs. So if I follow Jesus, that'll mean whatever. But they do. They far outweigh the costs. And so what I want to do today is just flesh that out a little by focusing on the way that God's heart for us, Jesus' heart for us, manifests itself in genuine care, compassion, and love for broken and hurting people. For us, me and you. Over and over again, throughout the Gospels, we see that Jesus' heart is one of compassion and love for people who are doing it real tough. We read countless times in the Gospels where Jesus saw people suffering, he felt compassion for them, and then he was moved to intervene. He was moved to heal the sick. Matthew 14, 14 beautifully captures Jesus' heart for people. Here's what Matthew writes. When he went ashore, being Jesus, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Jesus saw the great crowd he felt compassion for them. He recognized that they were broken and hurting. They were in desperate need. And he moved in power, healing the sick. Matthew, again, in Matthew 9.36, he, he records another instance of Jesus' compassion for broken and hurting people. He writes, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, if you're visiting with us today or you've only just recently joined us on this God's story journey, the prophet Isaiah, many, many years ago, prophesied about the Messiah who was to come, and that is Jesus, and the very role that he'd play in this regard, a shepherding role for vulnerable, broken and hurting lambs, for you and for me. Reading Isaiah 40.11 this is what Isaiah prophesied, speaking about Jesus. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. That's the heart of God right there for you and I, friends. And that's the heart of God that every single one of us can personally enjoy and experience. One of the most beautiful promises that Jesus made was the promise of rest for anyone who would come to him. It's a beautiful promise. God's such a gracious God who sovereignly looks after and cares for us, his sheep, 
from afar. You know, he does that, absolutely. He's a sovereign, mighty God. And yet, he also blesses us with the incredible blessing as we follow Jesus in this life with intimacy with him. And we can have that if we come to him. We can enjoy intimate, comforting, personal, restful relationship with Jesus Christ. Matthew records Jesus' beautiful promise to us in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. And Jesus is saying this to all of us. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love that line, gentle and lowly. That's our God. That's Jesus, gentle and lowly. He's a holy and righteous and sovereign king. Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And at the very same time, Jesus is the most approachable, humble and gentle person that we could ever know and enjoy. Jesus is a mighty God who longs to be intimately close and personal with us, his people. Now, you, you might have done this too. I've done this way too many times. So often we have a tendency to, to read promises like this and the many other promises that Jesus makes and go, oh, wow, isn't that amazing? How good is our God? What a kind, compassionate and loving God we serve. And then we don't actually approach Jesus. Anyone there? Just me? We don't take Jesus up on his invitation and we don't actually come to him. And naturally, what happens? When we don't go to Jesus, we don't open ourselves up to receiving the many, many blessings that are ours to receive in Jesus. And in this case, the blessing being the promise of rest, rest for our souls. The very blessing that all of us, all of us in our different ways, we are broken, we are hurting people, the very thing that we desperately need. So why don't we? What is it that keeps us from coming to Jesus? Personalise it. What is it that keeps you from coming and approaching Jesus? Now, I think when I was prepping, I had this image of like a, a roadblock kind of like that. And the roadblocks look different for each of us, don't they? But I think as I was, as I was praying and thinking, three common ones came to mind, and those being pride, procrastination, and being preoccupied. Pride, procrastination, and being preoccupied. You know, for some of us, our barrier is just pride. We, we, we love to soldier on in life. Like, I got this. I can do it. I'll just look inside myself and summon up the energy to overcome, stand strong. I'll press on. I don't need anyone's help. I'm strong. Nothing's too hard for me to handle. You know, pride, that, that is something that keeps many of us from actually 
coming to Jesus and finding the deep, satisfying soul rest that we desperately need. For some of us, our barrier is passivity, being passive, feeling we get, we get caught up in our feelings of being overwhelmed and broken and hurt, and then we just don't do anything with it. We sit, we can, we can wallow, we can even maybe just give up completely thinking that there's just no hope for us, so may as well get used to it, this is my lot in life, and we just don't actually make any attempts to, to deal with or work through the very things that are overwhelming us. Passivity is something that keeps many of us from coming to Jesus and finding the deep soul rest that we desperately need. And for some of us too, maybe our barrier is being preoccupied. We either try to avoid thinking about the very troubles that we're facing by chasing after other things to distract ourselves, you know, like whether it be pleasure or working hard for money or status or even the investing in the latest electronic gadget that promises to be life-changing, you know? Things that we, we look to to fulfil us. Or the flip side is we, we either distract ourselves, become preoccupied, or we become preoccupied for searching for a solution about how we can actually fix ourselves, yeah? In our world today, what, what is it? Everything's about self. Self-help is a, is a big thing. And look, I'm not dissing that. There's value to a degree in that. But sometimes we become preoccupied with seeking out and consuming all the self-help material that we can possibly find. We spend our days scrolling through the endless results after our consultation with Dr. Google to try and work out what's wrong with our physical bodies. You know, we become preoccupied. And this can keep many of us from actually coming to Jesus and finding the deep soul rest that we desperately need. Look, I'm just going to say what we're likely all thinking now. I think it's fair to say that we are so good at looking everywhere but the very source and sustainer of life to find or sort out our lives, aren't we? That, that's, that's the human condition. We see it all the way from Genesis through Scripture. This is what we're so tempted to do. Now, here's what Jesus our approachable, humble, and gentle saviour. Don't forget that. Approachable, humble, gentle saviour. This is what he lovingly says to each and every one of us today. Come to me. Come to me, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. That's a blessing that we can take hold of. That's a blessing that's available to every single woman, man, child who is in existence if we humbly follow and actually come to Jesus. And you know, sometimes the rest that we experience with Jesus is beautiful, soul-satisfying peace. Peace that the writer of Philippians describes in Philippians 4.7 
uh, as being, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Sometimes that's the kind of thing that we experience. Well, the verse just before this one in Philippians hits on another, another aspect of coming to him that Jesus invites us to do, another blessing that's ours to enjoy through relationship with him. And it's another one that so often we don't do, or maybe sometimes we only do as a very last resort when we've tried everything else and they haven't worked out for us. What's that? Prayer. Pray. Talking with God about the very things that are actually burdening our hearts, the things that are weighing us down. Here's what Paul exhorts his hearers back then and us today to do, reading from Philippians 4, 4 4-7. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, again, for, for many of us, we, we kind of read this passage like the other one we read before and go, wow, that's amazing. How good is our God? What a kind, compassionate and loving God we serve. And yet, all too often, we then don't actually come to Jesus in prayer. We don't make our requests known to God. You know, one of the great blessings of marriage is that of companionship. Companionship, being fully known by someone else and having someone else fully know you. Now, for me, I'm, I'm super privileged to have a wife like Laura who is always willing to talk and pray through things with me. If I'm feeling burdened with anything, she can tell because she can read me like a book. But if I'm feeling burdened, she, she's quick to notice. And then what she'll do is she'll make sure that there's, there's some time carved out in our schedule so we can chat. And then when we actually get to that place, by the time the kids are in bed and school lunch is made and all that sort of stuff, she'll make sure that she's, she's given me the undivided attention. She's, she's there. She's listening. So that I can actually be vulnerable and share how I'm feeling or the things that I'm feeling burdened with. And I know for me, I just consider it an incredible blessing and I won the jackpot with Laura, that's for sure. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Too often, if I'm, if I'm just honest and real with you today, due to my own pride, my own insecurities, I've known that Laura's there. I've known that she's there and ready and waiting to, to hear me out, to offer me support, to encourage me, to pray with me, to point me to Jesus... And so often I've chosen just to stay silent. So often. Many times I've, I've chosen not to open up and communicate with Laura 
about the very things that might be causing me anxiety or pain in life, even while knowing she is right there, ready any time to jump in and encourage and support me and pray with me. Perhaps there's others here who are married or listening online and can relate to that. Well, in a similar way, this is what we all too often do when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, we know he's gracious and merciful. We know he's slow to anger. We know he's a God who continually extends steadfast love to his people. We know it. We know he's gentle and lowly in heart. We know he's approachable. We know he's humble. We know he's like this beautiful shepherd who has a passion and an eye out constantly to care for and provide for his sheep. We know this. And yet, for a range of reasons, and, you know, as I'm sharing, I'm sure reasons, personal reasons for you might be coming into your mind right now. All too often, we don't take Jesus up on his offer of care and support. We know these truths about Jesus' heart intellectually, but all too often we don't embrace them personally. And instead we go about life in our own strength, isolated from God, and continue to hold on, cling to the very things that are causing us anxiety and discomfort. And in doing this, we actually rob ourselves of the intimacy and the life with Jesus and keep ourselves from inheriting the wonderful blessings that Jesus actually offers us, all because we're unwilling to draw near, to actually communicate with him, to talk with him. That's what prayer is, and ask of him. One of my favourite examples of this in Scripture, not, not done poorly like I've been talking about, but done really well, an example of how approach we can approach God well is recorded in, in Luke 18, Jesus' encounter with a blind man. Jesus is on the way to Jericho. He's walking the road. He's got a crowd of people following him. He is in demand. People are there. They're listening to his teaching. They're simply enjoying being in his presence. And no doubt there are other people there too who are trying to kind of catch him out to say something so they can see him as an imposter, or at least so they think. And so this blind man, hearing all the commotion, what does he do? He asks what's going on. What's going on? What's all the noise? Who's there? And hearing that it's Jesus of Nazareth, he doesn't even think twice. What does he do? He cries out. That's what scripture says. Verse 38 says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people all around him tell him to pipe down. Zip your lip. Shut up, blind man. He doesn't have time for you. You liked that, did you? But this man, knowing the nature and the character of Jesus, he cries out all the more. Verse 39, he says, Son of David, have mercy on me. And so what happens? Jesus stops. And he commands, bring that man over here. Bring him to me. 
And then Jesus asks what appears to us, and, and no doubt would have appeared to everyone witnessing it, to be a completely unnecessary question. Like, really, think about it. Blind people in the day, it was pretty obvious to tell what their issue was. When the man comes near to him, Jesus asks him in verse 41a, he says, what do you want me to do for you? You can imagine what the people in, whoops, you can imagine what the people in the crowds were thinking in that moment. What what does he want? What does he want you to do? Like, hang on. You're you're saying you're the Messiah. You're saying you're Jesus. You're saying you're the son of man. You of all people can see what he needs. Like he's standing or sitting here right before you. He's blind, Jesus. He wants to see. And the man quickly responds to Jesus with his answer in verse 41b. He says, Lord, let me recover my sight. Jesus, our gentle and lowly in heart, approachable, humble, caring, nurturing shepherd, responds to his request like this in verse 42. Jesus says, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well or has saved you. What a miracle. What an absolute miracle. In that moment, in just a moment, Jesus heals this blind man holistically. Like we focus on, we focus on the, the physical healing, with, which in and of itself is remarkable, and yet you, it's clear to see that this man has been holistically healed. He's been healed spiritually. He's been healed physically. His life has been changed through an encounter with Jesus. And he asked Jesus for mercy, and Jesus gave him exactly what he'd asked for. You know, there's, there's so much that we could draw out as encouragement from this passage, and I just want to share two quick thoughts before we wrap up. And the first one's this. The blind man knew who Jesus was. The blind man knew who Jesus was. The term son of David is a messianic term. It's a title that's only reserved for one person, the, the Messiah, the promised one. So by shouting out to Jesus and calling him the son of David, this man was acknowledging who Jesus actually was, the promised Messiah. He knew who Jesus was. And this is key for us. Not only did Jesus know, sorry, not only did this man know who Jesus was, but he came to Jesus. He came to Jesus. The blind man knew who he was and he pursued him. He pursued him. He went there. Is that Jesus of Nazareth? I'm there. I, I don't care what people think. I, I don't care. He is who I need. I'm going to stop at nothing until he, he hears my call. He looked to Jesus and he placed his faith in Jesus. And you know, this, this resolve, if you like, this faith that he has in Jesus being who Jesus says he was, the Son of God, he, the, the persistence in, is seen in how he calls out, you know, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, have mercy on me. He, he's desperate. He knows 
He knew who he, Jesus was. He knew Jesus was the Messiah. He'd heard on the street stories of the things that this man, who was not merely a man, had done. He knew what Jesus was capable of. And he had faith that this man, Jesus, could actually meet his needs and actually would show him mercy, that by coming to Jesus, he would be able to find rest for his soul. And friends, Hebrews 13.8 is really good news for us today. This is what it says about our God. Verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus hasn't changed. His character and nature will never, ever change. He remains a gracious, kind, compassionate, merciful, loving, patient, steadfast, loving God. And his invitation and the many blessings that come from humbling ourselves, coming to him and accepting his invitation remain there for all of us to take hold of in different ways that they manifest each and every day of our lives. If only we would come to him. Jesus says to us collectively, he says to you individually today, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, not only does our humble, approachable, kind, patient, gentle, loving Saviour invite us to come to him and experience rest in relationship with him, he also invites us, just like he did with the blind man, to actually share with him what it is we're seeking. Jesus doesn't want us to, to keep our distance. He doesn't want us to remain silent or internalise or even try to solve and meet our own needs. Jesus is such a kind and good God that he actually longs that we'd ask him for good gifts that only he can give. And we do this. We ask God for good gifts by talking to him through prayer and supplication. So what I want to do today is I just want to, I just want to close our time with some prayer ministry. You know, as I was prepping for this message, I felt God say this, give my children an opportunity to come to me and ask of me. That's, that's what he said as I was prepping this week. And look, I don't know the, the burdens that you're carrying at the moment. I don't know the things that are keeping you up at night. I don't know the situations, I don't know the people that are causing you to experience feelings of deep pain, grief, anxiety, but I do know this. God sees you. God sees where you're at. He sees all that you're going through right now and he feels compassion for you and he wants to move and bring breakthrough in your situation. He wants to give you a gift of mercy in ways that only he can. And 
as we trust and share our burdens, offload our burdens to him this morning. So if you're here today and you long for mercy, we, we, I think Laura mentioned it earlier in our worship, but if you long for mercy in the form of physical healing, then this is your opportunity. Come to him today. And we're going to stand with you in faith in the one who can heal. We can't do it, but Jesus can. And we're going to join with you and ask Jesus to heal you. If you are here today and you're longing for mercy in the, in the form of relational heal, healing, maybe you've, you're, you're estranged from a loved one or there's some tension in an important relationship to you, I just want to encourage you, come to him with that burden today and we'll ask Jesus to move in power in that situation. Whatever it is, whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is that you're carrying right now, don't waste this opportunity. Come to him and ask of him today.